Tuesday. So we're back again, Mona. How are you? Fine, Charlie. How about you? Well, it's been a busy time, you know. <laughs> what can I say? It's like it's like every day you think you know, maybe things will calm down. Mm. You know, we, we, we've commented that since 2017, it's felt like there's been this sort of a constant fire hose of news. <laughs> it's That's true. letting up. <sighs> that is true. And there is a lot to worry about. But, you know, there's also also reason for hope. One of the reasons I read history mm -hmm. is that when you read about how crazy things were in the past. Yeah, things used to be bad. It, <laughs> yeah. You know, it helps you to take a deep breath and say, okay, so a certain amount of insanity, lawlessness, contempt, uh, you know, w w close to civil conflict, whatever is just, that's part of the human condition and you can get through it. It doesn't necessarily mean the end of everything we love. And craziness and stupidity and venality and arrogance are not new phenomenon. I mean, they've been around for a while and they will sometimes <laughs> yeah, reign for think? a very, very long time. I mean, you know, um, imagine... Imagine doing what we do during the period of like reconstruction, right. that sort of long slog of <laughs> the robber barons and everything. It's like, you know, right. are we ever going right. to come out of this? Or, you know, the 1930s where, you know, at least 40% of the country lost its mind in one way or another. True. And where not in the 30s, but in the uh, teens, the level of violence, you know, like violence against yeah. strikers, for example, where, you know, people would go on strike and then the companies would hire goons and then the, the unions would hire goons and there would be huge amounts of bloodshed. And this was actually, it went on for a long time. This is a good argument against whitewashing history because, you know, when you whitewash, you flatten everything out. It just sort of seems like, well, and then this happened and inevitably this next thing happened. And right. And that's right. And, you know, you'll, you'll read great speeches. And so you will always think that your time is the dumbest time ever. <laughs> now, I'm not arguing that we're not living through a dumb time. Yeah. I'm just understanding that it does feel like idiocracy. But as as you go back to some of these other, you know, and you and you fill in the gaps, the things that might not have made the high school textbooks and are definitely not going to make the high school textbooks in Florida. <laughs> okay, Florida, can I just, just digress for a moment? Certainly. I mean, Florida, you know, I know that some of the reports are probably a little bit exaggerated, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm willing to have an asterisk next to all of this, but, but what Ron DeSantis has wrought is turning Florida into an absolute educational joke. The fact that they have now certified or whatever terminology they use, the curriculum of Prager U Prager to be U. used in the schools, which is which is just complete ideological hackery, complete mm -hmm. ideological indoctrination. I was watching a video that they put together of a cartoon figure that was supposed to be Frederick Douglass talking about the country. Yep. And honestly, any person, any sentient human being who'd ever read a single book about Frederick Douglass would look at that and go, this is complete bullshit. <laughs> you know, and, that's what they, and that's what they're teaching in Florida. I know. And it's just, you know, I believe that Ron DeSantis is actually a very intelligent person who knows better. Um, okay. But, uh, but it is Burn one of- proofs on you there. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> but the temptation of populism in a democracy is incredibly strong. And so he's he's giving into it completely. And by the I read through those history standards, right? The the African American, and a lot of it was really good. It really was. I mean, you know, and lots. Okay, and there was mm -hmm. a, a, right. a stress on 
how much African-Americans have contributed to this country, how they built this country, all the inventors, all the military heroes, all the, you know. And I think that that is actually a great thing to do, you know, to to stress Mm -hmm. the patriotism and the contributions of African-Americans as a part of African-American history, as well as the history of persecution and suffering and slavery and the rest of it. And if he had just said, gosh, you know, yeah, that one sentence was poorly worded about, you know, how slaves got useful life skills. Yeah, we're going to take that out. We're going to fix that. Yeah. Uh, That would have been all that was necessary. But when your super PAC is called never back down. That's it. Never apologize. You're kind of stuck with every stupid thing you've ever done, right? I know. And I am actually just amazed at the whole racist thing and how, you know, on racial issues in particular, there's a certain kind of conservative who feels like any concession uh, to the left is saying that we are, after all, a completely racist and illegitimate country. You know, that's what they... Yeah, yeah. That's, you're, that's wokeism. Yeah. That and is. that's, you know, anyway. It is tragic because I do think we do need to have a, a really serious discussion. And I think that there was a moment a few years ago when I think the country was uh, was right on the edge of having a very serious discussion about racial justice. And it, and it would have been, I think, I mean, long overdue, but it, it could have been very, very constructive. And it was that moment that you had the uh, the Ron DeSantis's and the Christopher Rufo's who decided that they were going to stigmatize any discussion like that. Well, and I, I completely agree, but I think we also, I think you probably also agree that uh, the 1619 Project didn't help. Yeah. Did not help. No, it did not help. They wound up like editing out some of the things that they had initially put in and then denying that they had even made the change and and it was designed to be taught as a curriculum in schools, and a lot of this was uh, was was a pushback against some some pretty bad history. And exactly. don't take our word for it. I mean, it was it was you know liberal socialist you know professors of history who said this was just bad bad history. And I will also say that the the evidence is pretty strong uh, that boy we're going to get some blowback on this. Fortunately, it's just between us. But the whole diversity, equity, inclusion industry was rife with abuses, uh, e- extremism, hectoring, bullying, uh, very you know significant uh, attempts at re-education. The problem is that you need to have a moment where you say diversity is important. Equity is not a bad thing. We want to be inclusive. Okay. But what had morphed into this racket really you know, was generating a lot of concern and legitimate concern Unfortunately, the legitimate concern then is hijacked by the demagogues. So yes. the nuanced approach we're saying, yes, we actually want racial justice, but this kind of, you know, these people who are, you know, basically selling this kind of snake oil, you know, some of these these, these folks out there who are, and to say that they're extreme is putting it mildly, to say that they are illiberal is putting it mildly, uh, to say that they are anti-democratic is putting it mildly, to say that that they actually did want people to feel bad about the color of their skin. This is true, but then in the hands of these real demagogues, it became something else. And so you have to choose sides and it becomes either or, right? It becomes black and white. And you, and you can't have a conversation that says yes to this, but no to that. Well, exactly. And that's one of the things we try to do at The Bulwark. I mean, you know, Kathy Young is wonderful about this. She's done great stuff. You know, and and we just try to say, look, um, (laughs) 
we have this particular objection to that, you know, DEI uh, curriculum. That does not put us in the Christopher Rufo camp, you know, and, and you have to be able mm-hmm. to have a nuanced conversation. By the way, the, the quote that always is appropriate here, Eric Hoffer, mm-hmm. every great cause begins yep, as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket. Um, and uh, there is plenty of evidence that a lot of people are making fortunes by peddling these DEI curricula and trainings and so forth in uh, offices that don't do any good for anybody. In fact, you know, people dutifully troop to these things, but then, you know, it doesn't actually help. It's just the um, boss or the, or, or the board decides that, you know, in order to satisfy, you know, their critics, they're, they're going to institute this program and, and it doesn't even work. So, you know, it's, it's not that we shouldn't be striving to be better. We always should, but we also shouldn't like shell out millions of dollars to snake oil salesmen, as you say. So since, since we've mentioned Ron DeSantis, uh, I, I think we need to have our obligatory, um, <clears throat> you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, at least, you know, 90 seconds. As you and I are beginning this conversation, he's fired his campaign manager as is part of his ongoing reset. Um, as if the problem of the DeSantis campaign is the campaign manager, not the candidate. <laughs> you know? But I guess you can't fire the candidate, right? You cannot fire the candidate. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. Mm-hmm.